1: Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 204 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is January 16th, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. If you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about the USC Trojans. We've expanded the Trojan Blast to do an extra podcast each week. On Tuesdays, we're actually doing a recruiting podcast, so we have Gerard Martinez come on for that, so stay tuned for that tomorrow, uh, but for today, this is Monday, we have Dan Weber coming on a little bit later on the show, he's at uscfootball.com beat writer, we've got some questions for him, a lot of questions for Coach Harvey Hyde, who's joining us in the first segment, Coach, how you doing sir, what's up?
2: Uh, buddy, it couldn't get any better, i tell you, recruiting is a part of the year that I really love, in fact I used to love to recruit, always knew what it meant, I wanted to get 25 first rounders. And uh, then just take care of them and make sure they graduate and and uh, keep them healthy and uh, you know uh, predict them at a certain time where they'll make a difference in our program. And uh, I like visiting with family members, meeting people, getting on high school campuses. You know, it's a great time of the year. I, I really love it, and uh, I think that uh, coaches who do in that do enjoy recruiting. I mean, head coaches. Really makes a difference in the home because people can tell whether a coach is enthusiastic and wants to be there, or if he has to be there. And uh, and this is just a great time. I just can't wait till uh, February first. I really do. I just sit there in front of the TV, and uh, you have all the computers and everything going on just to get who's committed where.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. We try to. That's a crazy day for us here at USCFootball.com. But yeah, definitely leading up to that, we'll have a, a preview of a, a podcast right before signing day. I'm sure we'll have to do one afterwards as well. Uh, but I want to thank our sponsor before we jump into the Southern California Tickets. Uh, SCTickets.com is a website. If you need tickets for anything, you can call them 1-800-888-7287. Tell Curtis that Coach Harvey Hyde sent you. He'll hook you up. And uh, concerts, if you got, want to go to the theater, any kind of sporting events, all kinds of stuff, just tell Curtis over there at SCTickets.com. You know Coach Harvey Hyde. He'll double the price for you. No, no. He loves Coach, so he'll hook you up <laughs> there. And I want we do have a bunch of questions. I wanted to remind people, if you have questions or comments, Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can call and leave a voicemail, 206-888-6755. If you'll leave a voicemail there, try to leave a nice short one. We will play it on the air. We have a few of those for you today. And I I guess, Coach, um, listen to your show over the weekend. Maybe we'll start off with this. There was some talk about George Farmer and potentially he might wanted to transfer and he's moving back to, to wide receiver. What did you think about this whole situation? Well, first of
2: all, you know, uh, I really feel he's a receiver. You know, he was always a receiver. He's got great speed. Came to SC as a receiver. Was the number one receiver in the country. And and I think his heart is in playing receiver. And, you know, sometimes when a kid, his heart's in that and he's thinking about not only his college uh, experiences, but the NFL and so on, it's hard to switch him at that time. There is. If he was going to be a running back, uh, I think he'd have been a running back in high school. Uh, a great running back. So it's hard to make that switch because there's so much to learn in a short period of time. You go to camps in high school, you start being a running back when you're in the eighth grade or seventh grade, and it's just hard to switch at that level. It's just a different feel and a different athlete to place that. So I think going back to receiver is absolutely fantastic. I think that, too, with the loss of a couple of, uh, of receivers uh, due to transferring and graduation and all of the uh, normal things that are happening at SC, which everyone knows about. I think it's a perfect fit for them. He brings them depth, plus he brings them great exposure, exposure explosion, and uh, the third guy, which means uh, who is really the first guy? They're all great players, so uh, well you can rest one, you can rotate one, and you can play all three at the same time. I'm not really against still playing him at Ellison's spot. I really think that's a great. Place to play him. I, I think that you could do so much with him there, as far as in the flat and flatten up and seams down the middle. I mean, how do you how do you cover how do you cover that kid down the seams and across and crossing routes and so on, and then bring him back with reverses and counters and inside traps and uh, just uh, there's just so much you could do as far as putting that together. So you know, I think he needs to be on the field. You can't have great athletes like that that you've recruited watching the football game. You know, uh, even when he came in at first, you've always heard me say this, Marquise Lee, I felt, should have been a cornerback because of his great abilities, like a Deion Sanders. He could do it all. He could take one receiver, their best receiver, out of the game, but that's not going to happen now because Lee's established himself as one of the top receivers in the country. So now you have to find a way to get Farmer in the game, and I think that's something that USC will attempt to do and he has to have touches as well as everybody else and spread the field and keep everybody off balance as they did at the end of the year. At the first part of the year, you remember, they were just going to woods, 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 woods. And at the end of the year, they were going to everyone, and I think they can do that again.
1: I agree with you 100%, Coach. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. I do think he can get some more touches in the backfield. I don't think they're going to just exclusively use him at receiver. And, and with only three scholarship, excuse me scholarship tailbacks on the roster right now you know they're going to bring in another one they might bring in more uh but especially in spring ball we might see a little bit more farmer in the backfield just to just to help with the depth there
2: well you can line him up as a tailback and put him in motion or you can line him up as a a a second back and put him in motion or you can do a lot of things that you really put a lot of pressure on the defense plus you can hand him the ball and sweeps in motion so uh uh, I think they'll experiment a lot with that, and I think he has the potential of being good at both when you put him in a position to be good at both.
1: All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. We're going to go to a – let's start off with a voicemail question. This is our our buddy Gil for you.
3: Yeah. Hi, Ryan. Good morning. Hi, this is Gil. I want to say, uh, first of all, I'm very proud of the entire football program. I think they've done a fantastic job. Uh, I think the only area that I know they're going to improve in is the rotations. I think if uh, Kiffin would have came out with a package with uh, maybe Prater and and Bryce Butler last year, giving them just slightly more playing time as opposed to breaking records with uh, Robert Woods and uh, Marquise Lee, I think they might still be here. I think Oregon does a slightly better job of rotation. I think we're we're going to have packages where – the difference in quality between starters and, and the secondary people is a very small gap at linebackers and tight ends.
2: Well, you know, first of all, I think part of the success of what SC had last year was of having rhythm on offense and having rhythm on defense. With players playing together and playing as a package, not a lot of rotation where the where Barkley was able to know his receivers and be able to look at them and understand that they'd look at each other and read each other and so on. There wasn't a stranger standing out there every other play. And the same thing when they established a running back situation, as far as with Tyler and McNeil. The offensive line knew the timing. They knew exactly what the moves were. Back had the chance to know what went wrong the first time and the second time he corrected it or set up by the inside and breaking outside. So, you know, I think rotations are good, but I think also a feel of being able to have a starting lineup on offense and defense is a good feeling. You form unity. You you come together as a unit. The offensive line, if you remember, uh, did not play as a unit early in the year, but then established themselves, I'd say, at Notre Dame, where they became a unit. They were rotating the left guard position, uh, trying to figure out who was going to play that position. And once they found out and they and they said, you're the guy, they became a unit. And the defense, the same way. The defensive front really never became what you call a dominant force for the defense at USC until Notre Dame. When they completely shut Notre Dame down, they couldn't run, force them to pass. Reese wasn't ready for that. And Notre Dame got defeated by USC back there in South Bend. So units are important. Rotations are important. And making sure you have fresh pay, uh, players are important. So, if I'm reading your your question properly, you're saying we've got to get players on the field. Or USC's got to get players on the field, but they also have to do it in a manner where there's still a unit feeling, and there's timing, and there's communication between the players.
1: Yeah, and no, sorry, it sounds like maybe the end of Gil's question got cut off there, but I think that's what he was saying, Coach. And uh, I remember I was more of an advocate of, "Hey, why don't we let more people play?" On the offensive line, why don't you see that a little bit more? And I remember you definitely saying that you want to get that starting five in there and, and get them playing together. And and certainly, like you said, the offensive line played a lot better when all of them were in there. Uh, and they just played the five. You know, the starting five guys played, and if someone got hurt, someone would pop in there. But they they let those starting five guys play, and it, it seemed really important there. But I can see his point too. With at receiver, like could have Bryce, could Bryce, excuse me, could Bryce Butler could have got a few more touches last year and i know he had some chances or he got interfered with quite a bit so he would have had at least a few more catches but um you know i think now with you know you got a senior quarterback and people are more comfortable in the offense maybe you do see the ball spreading around more and a guy like george farmer if he moves back to receiver or as he moves back to receiver will get more opportunities than maybe some of the number three guys got last year
2: Ryan, I agree with you. Listen, Bryce Butler is a great player. He made a couple of great catches. I can remember the one-handed catch he made, and I can't remember what game. But he's a key player, and someday I think he'll play in the NFL. I really do. Carl uh, Prater, as you mentioned yesterday when you were on our show, uh, he he just never matured. He never uh, made the big play. It seemed like he was hesitant. I didn't think he had the explosion that everybody anticipated him having, and he just happened to be at USC when USC had two of the greatest receivers in in America. So it's not the kid's fault. It's a position of where uh, sometimes you have to wait till it's your turn, and sometimes you have to compete, and sometimes someone's better than you. So I'm happy for the kid getting another opportunity, whether he goes to Wisconsin or wherever he goes to school, and it also helps USC in this situation as far as needing scholarships. Bryce Butler, I hope uh, he has a tremendous year. I believe he's graduated, he's got his degree, he's immediately eligible. What could be better than that? A kid like that with that ability will be fired up and have a great year uh, with another university, and, and, and it really, it's a win-win for both university and young man. So, you know, it's hard to say, uh, you you know, or lose players, but sometimes the That happens. The NCAA has put USC in this situation, which is unfortunate, and we all don't want to talk about that anymore. But uh, there's got to be adjustments on both sides to make this happen so that FC can still maintain the tradition of football during this tough period.
1: Um, Coach, I guess that leads into our next couple of questions. Uh, Andrew wanted to know about some transfer stuff, about Amir Carlisle being allowed to transfer to Notre Dame. Uh, well, most time USC release a player like Kyle Prater, it'll say in writing that they can't transfer to another Pac-12 school or Notre Dame. Um, and there was also a question about, um, you know, Bryce Butler, Kyle Prater, and Amir Carlisle. What's the restriction on Prater being released, things like that? So there's a couple of different questions on how does that work when you, you do release a player? Can you put limits on where they can transfer to?
2: Well, the way it works, if you don't release a player, that player must sit out a year and pay his own way at the next university unless he steps down one level of competition. If you release a player, that means that player can be put on scholarship. Now, as far as transferring between universities and so on uh, within your conference, I'm not sure on that because I know that uh, several players that USC has released, if you remember that one receiver a couple of years ago, USC released, and they went; to, he went to Oregon played against USC I'm not sure if you can put uh I don't think you can put on where you can go to school once you release them I think if they go and want to sit out at a university and within your conference they can do that uh whether they lose a year uh, I don't I don't I think they lose a year if they don't have a redshirt year I know they lose a year if they don't have a redshirt year
1: yeah and I think within conference it's, it's like a two-year thing but I, I believe there's waivers and there's there. I think the school can put some restrictions on the release. We saw that with uh Tennessee head coach, uh, Derek Dooley, who didn't want to release one of the players to uh certain schools because he felt like he recruited against them. But yeah, there, it, it's kind of a confusing rule, but in general, you're going to be sitting out a year. No one really wants to sit out two years, but if you go within conference, I think that's what the rule is supposed to be.
2: It's supposed to be that you're exactly right. Uh, So I don't know what the rule says. You could probably release a player where he could play immediately. I don't know. Uh, That's something we can check on, but I don't want people to think that it is uh, what what, we know what we're talking about on that one because I really don't. Except they know the regular standard rule is if you're released, you can go on scholarship at any university, and then within conference, uh, that's where the difference comes. Yeah, if you're if you're graduated, you're in play. You can play immediately. If you haven't graduated, you have to sit out a year.
1: Um, there's some. Um, there's actually was an incoming transfer coach, uh, Josh Shaw. Joshua Shaw, who was a former uh, four-star defensive back, went to Florida. Uh, Melvin wanted to know why do you think Shaw would come to USC? He was actually looking at UCLA first, but knowing that you know TJ McDonald and Gerald Bowman, who who's an early transfer in uh, JC guy. As well as uh, Jawanza Starling, Drew McAllister. I mean, you could throw Demet- you could throw Demetrius right in there too. Or do you think Shaw, or maybe even Bowman would move the corner? What do you think about the the secondary situation with the they? They have, there's a lot of depth there, and uh, Josh Shaw coming in.
2: Well, I think it's great that Shaw is going to USC. First of all, he probably would have gone to USC if he didn't go to Florida, and uh, he's not afraid to compete. You like players that aren't afraid to compete, and right now USC has the opportunity of being. Uh, awesome next year, and he wants to be a part of that type of program. UCLA has a great program or can have a great program, and currently they're not at the same level that USC is. And he feels he's the type of player that can go in and want to compete against Bowman or McDonald or whoever it is and, and play. And he could become immediately eligible. They're f- applying for a waiver from the NCAA, a uh, hardship waiver, and I, and I hope the kid gets it. He should get it because his grandmother or mother who's who's very sick Now, you know, and not only that, he can play several positions. So, you know, there's some kids that like competition. There's some kids that can't wait to get there and play against great players and improve because every day you get better in every way. When you go against great players, when you go to places where you're the great player and you don't worry about competing because you know you're going to start and you don't go against great receivers and there's no pressure on you or so on, how do you get better? But you practice every day. You play only once a week. So you great players. I used to tell great players when I recruited them and things. But coach, you've got six tails, but tailbacks. I'd say, yeah, but we want you there too because we think you can compete and you can become better and you can help us and you could start. Now if you go somewhere else, then you're not going to ever beat us because you can't feel you compete here anyway. So you know you got to have players who want to compete and be actively involved in your program. Players that run away from competition. I'm not afraid to play those players because they didn't feel they could play for you anyway. So uh, I think Josh uh, uh, Shaw is going to be a great player for USC. He, he's made a commitment to come to USC and shop around. I mean, you know, he, he's made his mind up. I like to hear players say, hey, I want to go to USC and I don't want any more visits. I, what bothers me the most in all this recruiting is, yes, and this didn't happen when I was recruiting. When a kid committed, I made him cancel all his visits, okay? That's, I'd say, okay, you're committed. I'm holding the scholarship for you, okay? That means you're committed to me. Cancel all your visits. You know, And he would say, well, coach, I'd like to see a couple more. Then don't commit to me because I'm committing to you a scholarship. That means if you don't commit, if you commit and you take visits, I'm still recruiting, but you haven't told me you're definitely coming. And when you do decide to come, there might not be a scholarship here for you. And, and uh, you know, now today, kids commit verbally, and they take four visits. <laughs> I, I, I've never heard of anything like that. That would drive me completely crazy. And uh, how, uh, why even verbally commit if you're going to take visits? Uh, like, like Kevin Seymour this past weekend said, hey, I'm going to be a, a, a Trojan. That's it. I'm not visiting anywhere else. My mind's ate up. Hey, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear somebody say, "Hey, I want to go get my grades, get ready to go, and and get my number assigned to me." I mean, uh, some of these other guys still visit. What, are they were they on a vacation. They want trips or
1: something.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely absurd. It it really is, you know. Uh, so that's just how I feel
1: about that. All right. Yeah, I think there's some some kids want some trips there, coach. Maybe they get a few free meals, get to go party. Uh, but yeah, we've seen more of that lately Stupid. over the last Stupid. few years. Uh, well, let's uh, switch up. I don't know if you got to watch any NFL games, Coach, over the weekend. Oh, I did. Yeah. Uh, some fun stuff, but a lot of USC Trojans went down. I think uh, Shiloh Rochelle for San Francisco 49ers, I believe he's the only one, the only USC Trojans still on an active roster there. I'm uh, Terrell Thomas was with the Giants, but he you know had the knee injury, and he's out for the year. Uh, but really want to know, and I don't think – you probably won't know this. I didn't know it either, but I wanted to throw this out there. He says, great job on the show. I love USC football. Don't have a favorite NFL team. I follow active Trojans in the NFL, but I want to know which NFL franchise has the most active Trojan alumni on the roster. And I'm not really sure, Coach. I don't know if you had I'd any. I'd say idea. the
2: Cincinnati Bengals.
1: That's probably true, yeah, because uh, Keith Rivers, uh, Frosty Rucker, Ray Maluga. Maluga. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they had Carson Palmer, that was another one, but he's not there anymore.
2: He's not there. But, I would just, I'm just guessing real quickly. That would be a but good uh, guess. I, I would say that's what I think.
1: So if anyone out there, email the show, podcast, if you, at uscfootball.com if you know about that. And if I'm incorrect about uh, the number of USC Trojans on current rosters, they, I know USC had a streak of having someone in the Super Bowl for uh, for many, many years. And certainly USC's up there with you know, the Ohio States and Miamis of the world that putting the most... Players in the NFL, so they definitely a lot of Trojans in the league still, and it seems like more and more are going.
2: Oh, there's no question about it. Uh, I'll tell you who would know that is Tim Testalone. He, he, they. I'm sure they have all that information. They could just tell you in five seconds.
1: Yeah, um, we can, he's and, the sports USC. information director at USC, so we can drop him an I'm sure some some of our listeners know what's going on there. So if you have any neat trivia or or factoids about USC Trojans, the NFL, send them to the show podcast at uscfootball.com and we'll read them next week. Um, here's an NCAA one, Coach, and this one has to do with Oregon. He says, I could be way off on this one, but do you think the ongoing NCAA investigation into Oregon played a significant role in Darren Thomas and LaMichael James' decision to go pro? Both have legit reasons to come back, especially Thomas's chances that he won't even be drafted. In my opinion, Oregon is cutting ties with them as fast as possible before crap hits the fan. That's from Joe, so Joe wants to know what do you think about those guys going pro?
2: Well, Joe must have been listening yesterday to the show because we we addressed that too. I mean, for uh, Darren Thomas to immediately commit uh, for no reason at all, just out of the clear blue, uh, is not normal. Uh, it's either an academic situation where you know that it just can't—they uh, can't get him eligible, or he doesn't want to go to school anymore, or whatever. But he doesn't remind me of that type of kid. And I can't say he's involved in the NCAA investigation, but just like the Pete Carroll situation, all of a sudden Pete Carroll was gone. And they try to uh, do their own policing and try to make it like they can handle it themselves by maybe cutting ties with people who have possibly links to certain violations. And I'm not sure if this kid does, and I certainly don't want to hurt this kid, but this kid certainly was, a, still is a great player. But what I'm saying it's when strange things happen like that, it's because of a reason. There's a reason, and all of a sudden you didn't even have any feeling of it, and all of a sudden there's an announcement with no reason why he's going. It's not like my mother's sick and I need to make money or I need to go play or this and that. It's just he's decided he's coming out. Well, I think that's a decision there that was made hastily, or maybe some uh, involvement in this investigation for a long period of time have suggested that he leaves. And uh, they're maybe starting now to uh, look more into the Oregon program, and and, and they're going to make some announcements here. They won't make them before recruiting, though. I'll guarantee you that, the national letter of intent, because that would may hurt them. But uh, I think they're starting to police up and try to get things ready. So when the NCAA comes in with their report and so on, they've said, look, just like Ohio State did, we've already done this, we've already done that, we've already said this guy can't do this, or these four kids can't play next year in three games, or whatever, to try to lighten the punishment uh, like Ohio State did. Not not much happened to Ohio State at all. In fact, it won't even affect him in any way. So uh, that's what I think. It's just not a normal thing, and I think there's certainly uh, there's a purpose to why that happened.
1: Um, yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing, Coach. I, I did read one of the tweets. I don't know if it was Andy Staples or Bruce Feldman. Someone tweeted that, Uh, Thomas was actually going to graduate so he would actually get his degree so it it didn't seem like it was going to be at least on the academic side at first but it was fishy to me I mean a guy I mean he has I think he has 60 touchdowns and 15 interceptions so it's not like his numbers are bad he has a great record I mean he could be considered the the greatest quarterback in Oregon history but as far as pro prospects go it didn't seem like you know it would have been the ideal kind of fit you know people said the same thing about Tim Tebow and he came out and Someone moved up in the first round of guy. All it takes is one, I guess, GM to say, here's a guy we wanted to bring in. But it did seem a little kind of fishy there. So we'll have to see what, what goes on with that. And uh, one last thing, Coach, before we let you go. Um, we had an email from Patrick. And I think last week we answered a question from Tom, who was a USC fan in SEC territory. And Patrick wanted to reach out to me and get a hold of Tom. I didn't have his email anymore, but... Uh, he runs a, a Trojan fan club of Little Rock, Arkansas, and apparently there's not as many USC fans that he would like down there, even though USC did play not that long ago down in Arkansas. You remember that game, Coach?
2: I certainly do. The, they don't want to remember
1: that. No. <laughs> That's a very good point. But if you are down in that area somewhere in Arkansas, I want you to guys to, to email Patrick. He does have a Trojan club down there, and I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. You can just email him, Patrick Presley. P a t r i c k P r e s l e w l e y excuse me, Presley, P-R-E-S-L-E-Y, at s b c Global.net. So give him an email. And, uh, Tom, especially you, I know you wrote into the program, and if you're, you're down in that area, so give Patrick a call. Try to, to grow that Trojan Club a little bit down there. And uh, I don't know. I don't think USC is going down there anytime soon, Coach. We've got to see some more USC-SEC uh, matchups somewhere in the future.
2: I'd like to see it, too, because you've always heard me talk about uh, I'd like to have seen SC at the end of the year play Alabama on a neutral field. I really would have. I think it would have been a great football game, a great defense Alabama has, but SC was playing pretty good, too. Or Oregon or somebody like that rather than playing another Southeastern Conference team and nothing against LSU because they did you know, beat Oregon earlier in the year, but that was early in the year. and uh, you know I still question what they do non-conference-wise and who they play. And then they talk about how great they are. And they are great because they do have great athletes and so on. And uh, But I'd like to see them uh, challenge uh, themselves to playing some of the Ohio States and other teams in the country, the F.C.s and Stanfords, in non-conference games. I think it would be great for college football. And uh, who knows? Uh, maybe they'll be forced to do that, but I don't think they want to do that because they then would hurt the image of the Southeastern Conference because it wouldn't have the great records that they have and send eight or nine teams to bowl games because they wouldn't have the same type of winning percentage that they currently have. Not that they don't have great teams, but I'd like to see improve that on the field.
1: No, I agree with you coach. And uh, Well, I guess we'll wrap it up for the segment, but we do appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, I wanted to remind everyone coach. I don't know. Um, Wes Horton. Uh, senior defensive end, going to be a senior defensive end for USC. We're bringing back our live Ustream show uh, this Wednesday. I believe the show we're going to start at 1 o'clock, but check uscfootball.com for listings. But we're going to have uh, Wes Horton on as a guest, so that should be interesting. Uh, kind of get his thoughts on the USC defense going forward. The, the defensive line is one area on this team where they're going to have to replace some guys. You know, a couple of defensive tackles there, Nick Perry leaving early, so there's some definite talent leaving the defensive line. The back seven pretty much is intact. Um, but you know, replacing some of those guys on the defensive line will be very interesting. Obviously, on offense, most everyone's back except Matt Khalil at left tackle, so it uh, should be really interesting to see what goes on there, but yeah, def- definitely check it out. Wednesday, about 1 p.m., we're going to do a live show. You can log in and ask uh, Wes Horton questions. It's always fun to kind of talk with the players and get their thoughts. They've all been very personable on the show so far, and Coach, we've got to get you on the live show sometime and, and so everyone can see your face, too.
2: Well, t- let let me know. Let me know when you want to do that sometime, and we'll work it out like we when we had that roundtable uh, podcast down there, at McKay's, and, and you know I'd, I'd love to do it with you. You know that?
1: Yeah, that'd be fun. That the roundtable was cool. That back that was a few episodes ago, our 200th episode, so that was fun to kind of chat with everyone. But yeah, we'll get you on the show so everyone can see you, and then they can log in live and ask questions. Like the live aspect's kind of fun. So it's fun to have people be able to you know watch the show live and then ask questions like as you're talking. So it's it's not like you're reading pre pre-sent in question so it's kind of a fun aspect to it we'll definitely have you on coach
2: well i'll tell you what the last lunch i had down there that you picked up was absolutely fantastic i want you to know and i want to thank you here on the air okay for that oh no
1: <laughs> coach anytime thanks for thanks for coming on and again thanks for joining us coach and uh we'll talk to you again i guess next week
2: you got it buddy uh and for everyone out there have a great week and follow recruiting here uh with uh, dot USCfootball.com, as I said when we opened the show, this is a great period of time because this is when you decide the future and this is when you load up. And I tell you, it's a very important uh, period of time for all football programs and also for young men who now have the opportunity to continue a, a dream and, and have it come true by going to a chosen or choose your university and have your education paid. So uh, let's see what happens. It's not that far away, Ryan. With February the 1st is just what? two or three weeks what is it three weeks away yeah
1: two weeks away two not weeks too, or three weeks yeah. yeah crazy time well thanks again coach we appreciate that thanks to our sponsor southern california tickets and thanks for everyone tuning in we're gonna be back in 30 seconds we got dan weber on the line talking usc football a lot more questions to get to for that so stay tuned for dan weber
0: meet us on the other side of the break for more of the peristyle podcast Now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
1: Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined by uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber, who's uh, got some sympathy on the Peristyle last night for having to cover the debacle of a USC-UCLA rivalry game. And Dan's story went up on the front page of uscfootball.com if you want to check that out. But uh, Dan, welcome in. And I guess maybe we start off getting your... Uh, your takes on what's going on with this USC basketball program right now?
3: Well, they certainly, uh, uh, and one of the things I think was interesting last night was there was a lot of good, you know, a lot of good words about you know a UCLA team that started out two and five and just looked couldn't like it couldn't be any worse, and they've righted themselves and they're one eight out of ten. And the comparison between a US, USC basketball team that just can't get any worse. I mean, they, you know, and I think somebody finally asked Kevin O'Neill, uh, you know, you're talking about how UCLA is improving and da 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 Are you guys improving? And there's just this, you know, there's this silence. You know, it's like there's no answer. It's obvious they're not. Um, you know, they can't score 50 points. Uh, and I think that was kind of the benchmark was the basketball team, uh, potential to equal the football team against UCLA and score 50 points. And they didn't, as some of the cynics had said before the game, that there's no way they can score 50 and match the, you know, the football team. And, um, That's that's tough to have a a basketball team that, uh, you know, going into a game you know can't score as many points as your football team did against the same rival. Um, uh, They're so offensively challenged, you just can't even almost describe uh, what it is they're trying to do on offense, uh, and I'm not sure they can. And uh, that, you know, that makes it awfully hard for a team to get better because, they really started the year. I mean, when they played San Diego State to a you know couple of point game, you know a sellout crowd down in San Diego, and they had you know the a team that had really done well last year in the NCA and Steve Fisher, the coach, says you know USC plays as good a defense as anybody in the country, and uh, then they had a couple of more games where, where where coaches said you know nobody plays better defense than USC. But what happens, it seems to me, is that uh, uh, if you can't score 50 points, no matter what, it's very hard to keep playing that kind of defense. And, you know, this is, I think, six six out of six of their losses, they haven't reached 50 points uh, here in this uh, losing nine out of ten games. And I think, finally, the will to keep playing defense uh, just isn't there. Uh, They're young. They're not real polished, uh, but you know and you know, they've got one one you know, injuries here and there. But um, uh I just think the will to to keep playing and to keep getting better just isn't there now. they they look like they're just trying to get through the through to the end of the season. And for a young team that that's not very that's not a good place to be. Uh they've still got a long way to go. I mean, just the idea of heading up to Oregon this week for a couple of games and the thought that, you know, what do we got to play for? And, you know, even if we do hold them to 55 points, we probably won't score enough to win anyway. So uh, it makes it it very difficult. It's a hard thing to watch. Um, uh, So uh, thanks for the sympathy.
1: Yeah, no problem. I mean, it's a hard thing to watch, but even with a, a program like USC and the fan base that's here, I think the USC would be much better suited with a team that scored 80 points a game and lost as opposed to score 45 points a game and losing. At least it would be exciting. Maybe you could get some people to come out and watch. But as of now, I mean, everyone was tweeting like even Gus Johnson couldn't say, you know, he was announcing the game. He couldn't save what was going on. That was just a debacle.
3: Right, I and I guess that was the, kind of the the Gus Johnson, Steve uh, Kerr point of view was that you know with uh, you know the population and the talent base in Southern California, how could you not have a team that couldn't you know couldn't score some points and uh, at least have fun and and be competitive and be athletic and uh, and put on a show for I mean you know the crowd there was eighty you know almost eighty five hundred people you know could have been better but. Uh, uh, it was still a fun place to be. And that, that, you know, that building, I mean, as somebody's pointed out, that's the, uh, the most prominent building and the, uh, and the most expensive building on campus is, is Galen center. And, uh, you would like to see that as a place where, you know, people really, uh, had a good time and had a lot of fun and, uh, and, and just, uh, kind of an upbeat sort of a place. And, uh, it's not that at all now, and and that's just not what I, I don't think what what basketball could be or should be, uh, you know, for USC, and um, uh, I I certainly agree.
1: All right. Well, we spent five and a half minutes on basketball, so <laughs> please don't send out the hate mail podcast at uscfootball.com. We wanted to at least address it, and uh, we'll get back to football now. But you know, we do we do talk about that a little bit um dan let's let's start off with a voicemail question we have a couple of those and we have a bunch of other questions some definitely lots of topics to be to be covered and uh, let's start with this voicemail question
3: hey guys this is matt from st louis just had two quick questions one uh do you know if fans will be allowed to go to spring practice this year uh such a fun thing to do in the past hope it's allowed again and what do you guys think about christian thomas we're so loaded at uh Tight end, and we seem to be thin on the D line, uh, or at least really young on the D line. Uh, do you think he is a potential D line player, or where do you guys see him fitting in? I was always really impressed with his speed, and he just looks like a beast. So, uh, curious what you guys think. Uh, love the podcast. Fight on. Thanks. Oh, I see, Matt. I I do believe uh, uh, spring ball again is uh, is going to be open. I, I'm trying to remember last year. Uh no, the
1: spring, the spring game will be open. I don't think practices can be until probation is over. So there's been. Right,
3: I, that's, I guess that is. I, I think USC possibly could push the issue because they did obviously get the spring game open, uh, and I don't think it was ever completely a hundred percent. The sanctions weren't written by a lawyer. I mean, I, I well, they were written by Paul D. I guess, but. <laughs> And I guess he is technically a lawyer, but uh, it looked like he wrote him really in a hurry. And there are areas which it's not as absolutely specific as possible. And so, uh, you know, they were able to, you know, make the spring game open. Uh, But probably, uh, and I think they've been a little bit more uh, willing to allow people to get cleared uh, if you – uh, jump through the right hoops, and if you aren't a donor, I think that's the the key. Was that if you had ever donated to the uh, 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 football or I guess at pretty much uh, any athletic uh, part of the university, then they weren't able to clear you because you you absolutely did uh, you know hit one of the criteria. Uh, so uh, uh, you know, I I wish they would uh, wish they'd fight to get some of those open, like especially spring ball, but. Uh, uh, so far, I guess uh, I guess that was the question last year: was how did the spring game? Because in effect, it was practice. Right. Uh, how did that uh, you know differ from the rest of practice? But uh, but that was open. As far as Christian Thomas, uh, I think the thing about Christian, it would seem to be that he's not probably. Uh, of all the tight ends, he's probably the most explosive. He's also probably the most limited in terms of size. It, it looks like he's not going to ever be a whole lot more than two hundred and thirty pounds. Uh, there are those of us who think that you know that makes him an ideal candidate uh, with Junior Palme, uh, uh for that H back uh, for the you know the guy that they can line it line up at fullback and put him in motion and put him in the slot and. Do all kinds of different things, you know, on one side or the other. Uh, so that's kind of what we're looking for him to uh, to come back at, as the uh, with you know that he's uh, you know had the hip surgery and and should be moving uh, you know really well. But but the, if you keep Grimble Xavier Grimble and uh, and uh, uh, Randall Telfer as the classic tight ends, and then you put the, uh, the combo of Junior Palme and uh, um, uh, Christian Thomas as an ace back that would seem to be, uh, you know, the way to go. Uh, I mean, I think he would be, if he played defensive end, he'd almost be like a tall uh, outside linebacker, and and I do think he could be fairly disruptive. Although I think they're going to have, uh, I think de- uh, defensive end, they're going to be in pretty pretty good shape, uh, you know. But but he he's played on both sides of the ball already, so. Uh, uh, you know whatever they do with him, I think uh, uh, it won't be a it won't be a great great surprise. And he certainly does give them flexibility. And uh, his athleticism is uh, is awfully good. I I just think what some of us didn't anticipate was how good Daniel Telfer and and Xavier Grimble as a combination were going to be. I I don't think anybody in the country had two uh, freshman tight ends uh, as productive as those guys. And and I think if you looked at, say, uh, the New England Patriots the other day or, or, or what they did with their two tight ends uh, or you look at uh, how effective uh, for the 49ers uh, were throwing down the field to their tight ends, I think you're going to see a lot of that with USC with, the, um, uh, with pretty much two wide receivers, uh, obviously, with Robert and, uh, and Marquise Lee. And then using the third, the third downfield guy is is going to be uh, a tight end, and and they're going to figure out ways in which uh, uh, they're really going to make you defend the tight end down the field. And uh, if you're already worrying about defending uh, Robert and Marquise, that's really going to be a tough matchup for people. But I I think they're going to exploit the tight ends a whole lot. And then if you've got another tight end in there as your h back uh that's that's going to be a really tough uh tough deal for people uh to defend but but i think that's the direction they're going to go uh and i think christian gives them some real uh terrific athleticism coming out of the backfield
1: they certainly do and I, that was pretty, basically the same question chuck and newport beach wanted to know but also do you think they'll have more two tight end formations uh yeah chuck i wondering. think
3: without a doubt yeah i think that uh I think that is the coming thing in football, and I think that was one of the things they picked up from Stanford. I think the more that they, they got ready for Stanford, who was three you know were using the three tight ends and and uh, you know didn't have a great deal of uh down the field uh, luck with their uh, wide receivers for uh, for Andrew luck uh, uh, I think they really you know saw man there there are some things you can do with multiple tight ends in the game. And uh, and I think that was one of the evolutions of the offense as the, as the season went on was the ability to uh, to have multiple tight ends and, uh, and and use them down the field, get yards after catches, and, and uh, I think uh, I think that's going to be fun to watch uh, how they uh, how they bring the, the tight end into the into the offense uh, along with the obvious uh, ways in which they're going to stretch the field and go from sideline to sideline with Robert and Marquise. I mean, if you've got Robert, you know, one side, Marquise on the other, and you've got him stretching the field in both directions, uh, you know, vertically and horizontally, and then you've got a tight end somewhere in between, uh, that's just very, very, very difficult, I think, uh, for a defensive matchup.
1: I uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. We saw Aaron Hernandez uh carry the football, maybe USC with with fewer running backs. Yeah. Get some get some carries for some of the tight ends too. That would be I really
3: fun. do think that's where the creativity in this offense is going to be uh, and and that's going to be a nightmare. Uh, I think if if you're if you're trying to defend
1: that. All right. Uh well the next couple of questions have to deal with transfers and and departures of the program. There's three guys I'll I'll read them real quick. Uh Dave class of 71 from Tustin. Um, we had Lanny Julius on before and he gave uh, high marks to Patrick Hall. Said he expected him to be a shutdown corner in the NFL someday. And Dave wanted to get an update on Patrick Hall, But then since then that question came in and uh, Andrew asked this one, uh, departures of Patrick Hall and TJ Bryant, how's the secondary going to shape up? And then one other one from Lawrence in Dallas, Texas, uh, Josh Shaw coming in. What do you think about the USC secondary next year? Is he going to play corner or safety? So, Kind of lots of uh, secondary questions there. There was some transfers with Patrick Hall and T.J. Bryant leaving. Maybe kind of get your thoughts overall, Dan, on on what's going on there with the secondary.
3: Well, I mean, you know, I think basically Lane feels really comfortable. And I thought that once T.J. McDonald made the decision to come back, you know, the first thing Lane said was basically now we're we're intact with the back seven. And uh, if you look at this year, T.J. Bryant and, um, uh, and Patrick Hall, you know, were, you know, were not a factor, you know, this fall. Uh, Patrick wasn't, you know, wasn't healthy. And then T.J., you know, they made the decision early that, that his future would be, you know, in another program and that, you know, he would be one of the candidates to get your degree this year and will help you uh, transfer to another school and you can get a, uh you know and probably at the at a you know the lower level of the um, you know the the football championship uh, you know division and um so i don't think that changes anything at all i think basically you're looking at you know last year's secondary uh a little better you know i mean hopefully uh you know uh, better uh you know and um uh, and i don't know that you know they're they are counting on on Josh Shaw to get the uh, hardship waiver from the N.C.A.A. Uh, it wouldn't be something I would be, you know, counting on. Maybe that would happen. You know, that'll happen with uh, the family, uh, you know, health and business issues and what have you. But, uh, but I, I don't think anybody'd be surprised if that doesn't come through. So, so I, you know, I'm not looking, you know, for any real changes other than, uh, you know, everybody uh, is back and a year older and, uh, you know. And I think that's what they're looking at too. Is that you know, hey, it took us a year and a half or so to really figure out what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it. Uh, and even with the loss of uh, uh, you know Willie MacGarza Garza as the uh, uh, secondary coach, right at the you know like right before the first game, uh, they really came around, and you know Sammy Knight stepped into that position, and Monty uh, you know shifted some of his attention to that. And uh, I think what you saw this year is, uh, is what you're going to see next year, only with everybody a year older. But uh, I wouldn't focus on, uh, you know, on any absolute, you know, newcomers and saying that's going to change things or that's going to move things around. Now I think uh, I think they're they're pretty excited about the fact that they're going to have the same guys for another year, uh, and and I would I would think that would be a good way to to look at it.
1: All right. Uh, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's see. Let's. We have one more voicemail question. This has to do with the Armsteads.
3: Hey, Ryan. This is Antonio from Sherman Oaks. You've been a long-time listener for about two years now, and I just read a story by Gary Klein in the L.A. Times saying that uh, the Armsteads are going to meet with school officials, and I'm just wondering, with all these transfers and everything in flux, is there still an opportunity or a possibility that – both the Armsteads come to USC where they want to be, where we know they belong, to solidify our D-line and help bring that national title home in 2012. Thanks. Have a good day. Huh. Well, I mean, I don't know that, you know that it's ever totally been closed. I mean, I think the key has always been, what were, you know, what will the USC doctors say? And since we've been never privy Uh, to that, you know, medical information, which is absolutely by law, private, can't be released by USC, uh, can't be uh, uh, released by anybody other than the Armsteads, and they've never chosen, you know, to make, you know, to release it. And I know there are all sorts of opinions about, no, he's never going to get cleared or whatever. I mean, I'd always had a sense that there was a, a time uh, a timeframe on a, on a potential clearance, whether that's true or not. I mean, <clears throat> if, if he's going to play, if Armand, for example, is going to play anywhere at a university next, next year, or in the NFL, he's going to have to get cleared uh, by someone. And, and I don't think it, it can be by his own doctors, uh, uh and that's made it more difficult in this situation because there have been the issues with the USC doctors and the Ar- Armstead family doctors. So I never did get the sense that it was ever completely ruled out, but boy, because no one at USC, and USC's really been good about this, they have not, you know, been leaking, they have not been talking, they have not, you know, gone, you know, there have been a lot of ways which people have criticized USC and they haven't defended themselves in terms of, uh, trying to, you know, tell somebody under, you know, quietly, well, here's the real story or whatever. So we've never really known for sure. We've always known that there have been, you know, there have been meetings, you know, we've talked to, you know, I've talked to Armand, I've talked to, you know, the dad, uh, and I'm sure Gerard has, uh, Ryan has, uh, and it's never been as clear as, as we would like it in almost any other situation we've ever been involved with that we'd have enough knowledge to try to give you a sense of, of, of how that's going. We do know now that, it, that the PAC-12 definitely uh, made it clear that degree or not, NCA rule or not, Armand is not transferring to another PAC-12 school and playing immediately, that he is going to be required to sit out as the Pac-12 rule uh, requires, which would now <clears throat> prevent uh, the, the two brothers from going to the same place and, and and playing together. And I know I talked to Armand about this last May, and and he said that's the one plus about, you know, his medical condition and not being able to play last year is it would allow him to play with his brother, but he can't do it at a Pac-12 school. Uh, which uh, so that would leave you know they visited Auburn and they visited uh, visiting Notre Dame this weekend, um, but where that leaves this, I don't know. Uh, I I just I don't even want to come down on any side of what do you think might happen because it's it's just been a a, a nightmare in terms of trying to uh, you know make this uh, somewhat clear for people because so. Such a big part of the equation he is unknowable to us uh, legally, uh, unless uh, the Armsteads you know choose to release it. And I have tried, for example, with Armand, a few different times in a few different ways to see if he would. I mean, I'm not going to try to force him to, or try to, you know, even trick him to trick him into. But I've had some discussions with him, and he's just not going. to. To tell us uh, at, at, to the point that we can really give you uh, an educated guess. So uh, I wish I could. I don't know, Ryan, if you've got any insights there either, uh, any more than than we we've had to this point.
1: No, I mean I think you nailed it pretty well. I mean he, Eric, the the son, the uh, prospect um, who's looking around. He actually said he he thinks he enrolled in a bunch of different schools because there was some talk about he enrolled in Cal. He's got to make a decision. Uh, this is Monday, and he's probably going to make it. I think it's by tomorrow, like, to enroll in some of these places. So he's still trying to keep his options open. They were at – the family was in Auburn. Armand was there, too, this past weekend. And uh, the father, Gus, and Armand apparently drove to South Bend. They were going to Notre Dame to, to visit right away. And I, I've been talking with, like, the Notre Dame Rivals guys and trying to figure out what's going on. This should all be done here pretty soon. Uh, Eric, you know, I think Eric does want to come to USC, and we've talked, to, you know, Gerard's talked about that quite a bit, but it it just didn't seem like it was going to be in the cards. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the family fell, feels that they were treated fairly, um, but obviously the, the USC doctors have the best interest of the players in mind. I mean, if they don't want to put someone out there with a life threatening condition or something that, um, you know, obviously could, could hurt, hurt a player like that, and I think the family wants them to get out there and play. I think other doctors have cleared them. Maybe it was because they didn't see what the USC doctors originally saw. I'm not really sure. But like what Dan said, wherever he goes, he'd have to be medically cleared there. It's not going to be to a Pac-12 school. Um, you know, Maybe he goes, tries to go to the draft. Uh, you know, we've heard all different kind of stuff, and like Dan said, we don't know the the real medical story. We've tried to get the family to talk about it; they, they're not willing to to talk about it. So it's basically this big mystery. But Eric's not coming to USC. I mean, we we haven't taken Armand off the uh, our our scholarship depth chart yet, but uh, until we get some official word, but we we definitely assume that he's not going to be back either. So basically, it frees up an, another scholarship spot for one of these recruits coming in on, on signing day, and. That's kind of where it stands with that, Dan.
3: Yep, I mean it's uh, it's it's kind of a shame because Armand certainly likes all his teammates, likes USC football. I think he'll be a Trojan, you know, forever. And I think Eric wanted to come to USC. Uh, that that can't happen is is kind of a shame. Uh, you know, really good good people, and you know, you wish uh, you wish it could have happened. But again, um, I think. Uh, I give USC's doctors credit uh, they are it certainly looks like they're putting the health of Armand ahead of everything else here and uh, and that's not a bad thing uh, to say the least that's what doctors are supposed to do uh, so they, they seem like they were talking past each other and we're just guessing what the USC doctors were saying but in and hearing what we could hear of the conversation, it sounded like somehow they were talking past each other and they weren't exactly hearing what the other was saying and, um, and kind of hearing what, what they seemed to want to hear in this situation. And, uh, you know, it's really a shame.
1: I guess the unfortunate thing, Dan, and I think some people lump this together, and when we get questions about what's going on, why are these people transferring, this is a very unique situation and it, it's unique because it you know it affects a current player it affects a a future high ranked prospect that would was already verbal to the team so it's almost like losing two players because of one you know incident or one issue that's going on there and it's happening during a time when with NCAA sanctions kicking in for scholarships there's going to be reasons for you know players to transfer out um, I mean, the the roster is going to get a little tighter. It's it's definitely a, a unique time right now. But this incident really doesn't have anything to do with the sanctions or all that stuff. It's just kind of two unique things that most universities don't have to deal with happening at one time, and it kind of makes it look worse even than it is.
3: Well, and it also doesn't have anything to do with Jarvis Jones going to the University of Georgia. That's a completely separate medical issue, and it doesn't have anything to do with the you know uh, Frankie Telfer and uh, you know you know, people put those all together and they'll characterize the USC doctors or whatever, uh, in one way or another. And they really don't go together. I mean, they're all, you know, unique cases to themselves. And, uh, they all basically say that the USC doctor, USC did not put football ahead of anything else. They put the health of those kids, uh, you know, ahead of anything else. And, uh, and, and good for them. I mean, I think that's uh, that's not a that's not a bad thing.
1: All right. Well, Dan. Oh, I'm well, sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, go ahead. It's just not a it's not a bad thing, and it, and it's not saying you know football matters more than anything, or football is uh, is our first consideration, and and it it you know if it was uh, you know people could have said uh, you know if you want to play we'll take a chance, blah blah blah, and we'll take your brother, and USC didn't do that at all. Uh, and there were consequences you know negative consequences for USC here and they apparent you know certainly seem to have stuck to the you know the you know the medical decision that that may not be the best decision you know for USC football uh but i i think in the long run it absolutely is the best decision for USC football because from what what we can tell it was made solely on the, on the grounds of uh you know, health considerations and, uh, what's the best for, uh, you know, for a young man and, and, and his life.
1: All right. Well, Dan, we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your insights and I want to remind everyone we're going to do a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast tomorrow with Gerard Martinez. So that'll be on Tuesday. So if you have any questions for us there, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or call 206-888-6755. We're actually going to introduce a new, uh, a voicemail function where you can actually click on the com page and, and leave a voicemail right there without using your phone. So we're going to try that out over the next couple of weeks. Um, that should be fun too. But again, tomorrow recruiting podcast with Gerard, lots of uh, information there, big recruiting weekend over this past weekend. And Dan, thanks again for coming on.
3: Oh, I enjoyed it. And, uh, listen to Gerard. Nobody does it better than Gerard. Nobody knows it any better. Uh, That'll
1: be great. Yeah. No, he's definitely, I mean, I, I've worked with him for years and years, and he knows his stuff, and I'm really, we really appreciate having him on board with us. So we're really lucky to have him, and uh, it's great doing these podcasts. So I hope you guys enjoy them, and thanks again, Dan. Everyone else will be back tomorrow talking some recruiting with Gerard Martinez. Check it out on Com.